Hello, folks, and welcome to episode two of Minnesota Twins Chat. I'm your host, Troy Larson. Normally, my dad, Craig Larson, will be a co-host on these episodes. But given the changes that MLB is going to be going through this year, I figured, why not have a guest? And I was going to make this a part of my episode next week. But I decided, you know what, since we went for about 20 minutes, let's just make this a separate interview. And so, the guest, his name is Don Wardwell. He announced minor league baseball from 1991 to about 2002. So about 12 seasons. With his college buddy, Jim Lucas. They uh, worked for multiple minor league teams in their broadcasting career, and Don will detail that here in the interview. I should note, though, and I forgot to mention this uh, during the interview, but Don did make it to the major leagues. Not not for an extended period of time, but him and his broadcast partner, Jim Lucas, they, they did do a few innings on Florida Marlins radio. Uh, I don't know if it was just once or if it did a second time. I can't recall. But yes, they did make it to the major leagues for a, a cup of coffee, we, uh, we shall say. And uh, yeah, I believe it was back in 1994 if that happened. And so Don, like myself, he is blind. And he did call... St. Paul Saints games for three years when he worked here in Minnesota. And I should tell you a little backstory on how I actually connected with Don. So back in 2014, I was doing a job search, and as part of a job search, I somehow was able to shadow the Twins radio team. Somebody knew somebody else, and they knew somebody else, and it actually worked out that I was able to to, uh, meet with the Twins broadcast team. And so I met Corey Probus and Dan Gladden. They're, they are the primary radio broadcasters for the Twins. And then, and then I met Chris Atterbury, and he primarily does the pre- and post-game show and sometimes fills in on play-by-play. And he actually mentioned it to me that he knew Don. And the reason why is at the time when Don was working with Jim Lucas in St. Paul, Atterbury was doing Sioux Fall, uh, was doing Sioux Fall Canary games for, for their minor league team. And, and so I, I did try looking them up. I found, I found several news articles, but I didn't really find a way to connect with Don. There was a LinkedIn page, but uh, he was probably not active on LinkedIn at the time. So, but, there were a couple of other times where I think I looked him up and didn't find him. I, I, I did find another guy who was trying to get into the sports broadcasting business, whether it was baseball or basketball or whatever it was. Uh, he had done some some minor league, minor league games somewhere. I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, he was, uh, at the time, he was a grad student, I believe, at Western Illinois. And... So, but 
let's fast forward to August of 2016. I found Don's blog, which we will detail here in a bit. And so I commented I commented on Don, on Don's, uh, one of his blog posts. I don't think it was a post or what it was. It might have been the uh, About Me page or something like that. I can't remember what I commented on, but it was. And I got in touch with him that way. So Don and I did exchange a few a few emails off and on over the years, and then comes 2020, and you've been you had the pandemic restrictions and all that stuff, and I'm like, you know, I think it'd be fun to do Zoom meetings with Don. You know, we could talk baseball, talk life. You know, we don't need to get too serious, but you know, we can talk ball and whatever. And uh, we have become pretty good friends. Uh, uh, we have generally met on Zoom, maybe not every month, but probably uh, most months, we'll say. Uh, we've met on Zoom for, uh, it used to be an hour, but we've kind of shortened it, shortened it for the most part to about 40 minutes. And so I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, wouldn't it be cool to have Don a part of his podcast? Maybe not every episode, but periodically I'll have him on and we'll talk national baseball topics. And and so I was thinking, I'm like, you know, we got a lot of real changes. I know Dad and I have touched on him a little bit last episode, but let's get somebody else's perspective. And so, so today I recorded an interview with Don Wardwell. And here is that interview. Joining me now here on Minnesota Twins Chat is former baseball broadcaster Don Wardwell. Don has worked for 12 seasons in the minor leagues with his college friend Jim Lucas calling play-by-play on the radio. And today he joins us now. How is it going today, Don? Okay, Troy, good to be on your program. First of all, Tell us, tell us a little bit about your broadcasting background, uh, like where where you were and that, that type of stuff. Yes, I was baseball's first line broadcaster. I started that in college at what was then Glassboro State College, what's now Rowan University. And Jim Lucas and I got together in college. He did play-by-play. I did color. And then he got the idea in 1990 that we should try and make it as a professional broadcasting duo, which we did for two years with the Miracle, which is now the Twins Single A affiliate. Yep, and, it, it, yep, it's called the Mighty Muscles now, but yes, they are the Twins Single A team. Right. Our our second year, 1992, was their first year in Fort Myers when the Lee County Sports Complex was brand new. So and then we were two years with the what were then called the Hardware City Rock Cats, which was the Twins Double A team for quite a while, and we were with them in '95 and '6, and then we were out in St. Paul with the Saints from '97 through '99, and our last stop was the Charleston River Dogs, which was then a Tampa Bay Devil Rays farm team. So. So, so about 12 years, and 
since then you you know you you went and got a job and you know worked at a couple of different jobs and then, but more recently don you have uh actually last fall you you started a podcast uh tell the listeners uh about that podcast yes i did the podcast i started is called the baseball lifer and it's available i put out a new edition every friday and anywhere you get your good podcasts you can find the baseball lifer there so what then your blog you've had that going now for a few years tell the listeners about your blog when i began the blog the name i called it was baseball as i see it and i started that after i had hurt my back and i was in a wheelchair and i was going to a lot of therapy to be able to walk again which finally did happen but at first you know that was doubtful and my brother wanted me to stimulate my mind as much as i could while i was still in a wheelchair and so he came up with the idea to write the blog and i did that for from the end of 2015 through the 2019 season since the pandemic of 2020 i very seldom write in the blog anymore i'm considering trying to bring it back for 2023 but there hasn't been a lot you know worth writing about in the blog last couple of seasons i'm hoping the new changes in the game will make it a more exciting game and give me more to write about so let's transition now to what i want to have you on here for given the fact you've been around the game for a long time both as a fan and also as a broadcaster the the biggest rule change to me seems to be the pitch clock people have often said that that baseball is you know it's not it's not one of your time sports so so you know football you have a clock hockey you have a clock basketball you have a clock baseball it's all based upon outs and well in more recent years and i would admit as a fan the the games are getting too long in the mlb three plus hours i i will admit that i'm i'm, I'm one of those diehard baseball fans but this year they're, they're going to do this in the major leagues you're going to have the pitch clock the batter must be in the batter's box with eight seconds to go on the clock and there's 15 seconds between pitches with no runners on base and there's 20 seconds between pitches with with runners on base also there's 30 seconds between at bats so and uh and i should know too you can only call time once per at bat what are your thoughts on the pitch clock don i think it's a terrific idea now here's going to be the problem this is an idea that has been tried before the in the year 1969 they tried to put in the same kind of a pitch clock and during the regular season it was at least talked about now i have some recordings from that time and i certainly don't get the impression that the clock was being enforced 
And by the time of the playoffs in the World Series of 69, the broadcasters were saying in so many words that those rules weren't going to be enforced during the World Series. And they pretty much went away after 1970. And this is something I want to see come back, but it won't if the umpires refuse to enforce the rule. Well, they, they seem to be enforcing it now because if the pitcher doesn't throw the ball within 15 seconds, you know, he is he's given a ball, and if the batter is not going to face the pitcher, he's given a strike. So, I mean, if the batter's not ready to face the pitcher, excuse me, he's given a strike. But... I don't know, they seem to be enforcing it more right now in spring training. Will they do it during regular season? We we shall see, Don. Yeah, the only way to find out is to listen to some regular season ball games and see if the ref, the umpires are willing to and, and able to enforce the rules. And it, it needs to happen. I was saying to somebody a couple of weeks ago, as we were doing an episode of my podcast, uh, this guy was a Detroit Tigers fan and he does a Tigers podcast. And I said to him, do you really want a four hour game between the Tigers and the Royals? I don't think I would. Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. And even, you know, the great rivalries like the Yankees and the Royals, I mean, Yankees and the Red Sox, you don't want that to be a four hour game either. And the last couple of decades, Yankee Red Sox games are tremendously long. And even as exciting as that rivalry is, I would rather they played at a more brisk pace, which is what we're aiming for this year. Yes, and I have seen and I've seen that brisk brisk pace in the spring training games I've listened to if uh, Corey Provis and Dan Gladden and um, and actually Chris Atterbury worked a few games earlier this year in spring training. But I you know, I wait for crisper pace. I will admit that. But let's turn to the broadcast side of things, Don. How will this impact the broadcasters? Especially the older broadcasters like John Sterling, they're going to have problems. But, you know, younger broadcasters are willing and able to be more flexible. You know, they will be able to catch the rhythm of the game as it's supposed to be played now under these rules. Now, how long that'll take for the broadcasters, I don't know. Well, I think Corey and Dan have kind of gotten used to it, from what I can tell. You know, you what, we, be... what we had to do, we had to do it on a night-by-night basis. We had to find out whether our pitchers and our opposition would pitch relatively quickly, which a lot of them did, or if they would you know, dawdle on the mound. And if the hitters would, you know, take an unnecessary length of time. And there wasn't all that much of that in the minors, but some of the pitchers could still take a while, even at the double A level. But there's a lot more of it in the bigs, and that's what they're working on. And broadcasters in the minors have had to cope with the pitch clock over the last couple of seasons and I've listened to Mike Caps, who broadcasts for the Round Rock Express the the Rangers AAA ball club and he can he can he can work with that 
you know, pitch clock. He can work with the rhythm of the game as it needs to be. And he's gotten used to it over the last couple of seasons. So it can be done if the broadcasters are willing to make the effort. Yes. And, you know, here's the thing I've been trying to wrap my mind around. When I was a teenager, baseball games lasted about, we'll say 240, 245, 250, give or take. Now they're around three hours. Why have it gotten, you know, this much longer? And especially in the playoffs, they're like three and a half hours plus. You know, why have we gotten such long games? It's mostly the subject we've been talking about, the pitchers who take forever and the batters who, you know, step out and step in and step out and, you know, adjust their jock and, you know, all the other things the batters do in between pitches. You know, and they do more of that in the postseason. I really want to see what the umpires will do about the pace of play come October or early November. Yeah, postseason games. Yeah, because some of those postseason games last around three and a half, four hours. I think they were more close to three hours when I was listening back in you know junior high and high school. But there were some of those that went closer to four hours too. I will admit that. But you know, I I certainly hope that this this pitch clock helps with that because I can't see a reason why we can't get a baseball game in two and a half hours. You know, uh, right? Even even with the you know, 90 second to two minutes, 15 second commercial breaks, it can still be done. But, you know, the pitchers haven't been doing it. And, you know, the the, the hitters, you know, they've been taking their own time. And now, you know, we're going to see whether the umpires will enforce the rule now that it's out there. We shall see. So anyway, uh, let's go on to the second rule change, and that is the banning of the extreme shift we have seen in the infield. Uh, you can still move out and out outfielders around and bring an outfielder in to have a five-man infield, but the, the four infielders, you have to have two on each side, either side of second base. Personally, I don't think this is necessary. I, you know, I think it's just caving into the fact the players don't have the skill set to bunt. I'll guarantee you, Don, Billy Martin, I know some people don't like him as a person, but I think he was a terrific manager. He would have bunted the crap out of that shift if he was still managing. What What are your thoughts about the uh, banning of the shift? Absolutely. He would have. He'd have had all his guys bunting if he saw the shifts that we've seen over the last few seasons. But, you know, it isn't even just that. I was thinking about how I would be able to keep score in in Braille the way I did when I was a broadcaster. Sure. And there were very few shifts, especially in the minors. There was really no need for them. But if I had been doing any big league games in these last few years with the shifts, I would have had some real problems when a guy, you know, hit um, hit one that was fielded by the second baseman, except the second baseman was, you know, mid to deep left field. You know, how am I supposed to score that? 
Well, I'm I'm sure you you would you would have to at least give credit to the second baseman. That I would say for sure. You know, I think you brought up a good point too. So I told you that, you know the you know the pitcher, uh, if the batter is not ready to face the pitcher, pitcher he's given a strike. You know, how are you going to score that if let's say a strike three is one of those you know times where the batter is not ready to face the pitcher and the, the time clock uh, expires. Well, if, How are you going to score that? Unless I have to, I'll call it struck out looking. <laughs> exactly. Struck I mean, out looking. We well, already, some, there well, is already a system for struck out looking and struck out swinging. I worked that out when I was a couple of years into the game. So there's no reason to put in a third notation. If, if you're not, you know, if you're not ready, that has to count as strike out looking. Yeah, or somebody somebody did suggest that what you do is you put a K. Um, I'm talking about probably how a normal person would score. Then you draw a circle around it like a clock to say that this is this strikeout was a result of not being ready in time. Yeah, with, that would be a good idea for somebody who can see they can do that. Exactly. But anyway, uh, the last rule change is the bigger bases. Personally, I'm not sure if I'm a big fan of them. I I think you're gonna have like like uh four 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 less inches between bases as far as running, so that might help with the base stealing and stuff. I I really think Don, what the the problem the thing is baseball is trying to get more action into the games, and I you know I don't know if I don't know how much I know I'm sure the bigger bases will have an impact. What are your thoughts on the bigger bases? Actually, I think that'll have less impact than the time clock or the shifts. You know, I don't really see much point to the bigger bases. I don't. Yeah, well, they say it's maybe to prevent injuries, but is it? You know how much? You know how much is that going to prevent injuries? I don't know. Players are still going to get injured no matter what, and uh, we shall see, Don, what's going to happen this season. But the last thing I want to touch on is Major League Baseball this year, the schedule is set up so that every team faces everybody else once. And in some ways, as a fan, I actually like that. I know the old school baseball fans are like, well, why can't we just do American League plays other uh, American League teams and then vice versa with the National League playing other National League teams? And you only have the interleague thing happen in World Series. But, you know, interleague play was around since the mid-90s. It just that it was not as prevalent as it will be this year. Uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, new scheduling changes? I like that because, as it was, you had the Yankees playing all the teams in the American League East 19 times. And as much as I enjoy Yankees Red Sox, having them 19 times in the same season, there is such an expression as too much of a good thing. Agreed. Too and of... did you want to hear 19 matchups between the Twins and the Royals or the Twins and the Tigers? I don't think I would have. Right. So it makes sense to me that they're making this switch. And now there's going to be uh, definitely more variety. You're going to see every team in both leagues as a part of your schedule. Now, the one way that's going to get hairy is, let's say you're only in 
Shea Stadium, well, now City Field with the Mets once in a whole season. And let's say you get a massive tropical storm in the in that area and the whole series is lost and there's not going to be a chance to make it up unless you delay postseason starting and i don't think anybody's going to want to do that because postseason is going to run till election day as it is now well pretty pretty close to it and i i certainly hope that you know, we don't run we run into a lot of issues, but yeah, I will admit, you know, if a team only makes one visit, you know, how are you gonna make it up? You know, you know, it's gonna be a little more tricky to make it up. You know, what I wonder if what we should do, Don, is say we're gonna have a few common off days for everybody so that teams can make up games if they have to. I, I think that'll be a good compromise. You know, you you know, you'd have you know, a couple of days days throughout the season where everybody's off and then if they have to play a game, they they uh, play a game. You know. You know, it's even more noticeable in your market because minnesota really doesn't have baseball weather until june and even that's debatable (laughs) you know i was out in st paul and we dealt with sleet on the memorial day weekend oh yeah i mean your guys you could run into a lot of both rainouts and snowouts against teams who are only going to be in the twin cities once during the course of the year yeah, and I'll tell you what, we still have some significant amount of snow on the ground. It's gonna, uh, it's gonna take a while for it to uh, melt. And what you can't do, which would be a great idea, but you can't do it, is move those games into uh, the football stadium until Memorial Day. Now I know you can't do that, but it would certainly, you know, take away any chance of those games being rained out or snowed out. But I, I don't think the Vikings want that to happen, though. Yeah, I, I don't think it would either, and I just, I don't know if Major League Baseball would even allow it, you know, to, to tell you the truth. I mean, it sounds good, but I don't think they would allow it. Well, anyway, you've got, Don. You've got the only city where both things are available. You have an outdoor, you know, year-round stadium, and you have an indoor, you know, where the Vikings play now. That's just not an option in most parts of the country. Mostly it's one thing or the other. Anyway, Don, uh, it was a pleasure doing this interview with you. Uh, we'll, we'll have you on later, later on in the season to talk about other baseball topics. Maybe we'll touch base again on this, uh, on these new rule changes and see how, what we think of them once we see oh. them in action more during the regular season. Yeah, works for me, Troy. You got it. Uh, thanks for joining me, Don. Thanks a lot. That will do it for this episode of Minnesota Twins Chat. My thanks to Don Wardwell for joining me today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, however you found it. Uh, I should note, folks, I'm not up on Apple Podcasts yet, but I am planning on working on that real soon. And I'll get that up on Apple Podcasts as soon as possible. Meanwhile, if you're a Spotify user as far as subscribing to your podcast, I won't be able to put my podcast on Spotify until I have five episodes and I also need to change the plan I'm using with the uh, host provider that I use, which is Podbean. So, so you will have to listen to this podcast on a different podcasting platform, but this podcast is on some other lesser known podcasts such as iHeartRadio. And 
So I will get this up on our Apple Podcasts as quickly as possible. Well, that should do it for this episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. By the way, if you want to contact the show, the email address is mntwinschat, the number 48, at gmail.com. That is mntwinschat48 at gmail.com. Now, until next time, I am Troy Larson. So on, everybody. <laughs>